As you recall, last week we talked about the whole idea of rethinking church. And you can't clearly see it, but you can see it on the church sign. The title of this morning's message is Monkey See, Monkey Do. And you're thinking, how does that relate to the early church? We looked at, um, last week, some of the characteristics, some of the attitudes and actions that the first Christians had. And one of the things they did, it started off in that passage in um, Acts chapter 2, 42. The early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This gets us under the topic of how do people learn? How do people learn best? You can learn by sitting in a classroom. You can learn in a lecture setting like we've got this morning. Hopefully you go away with something. The reason I like to get you doing something active and involved during the service is not only to keep you awake, but it reinforces learning. It reinforces learning. One of the best ways of learning is to um, model, we model behavior and it's imitated. Now, when we do monkey see, monkey do, we imitate without thinking. And that's not always helpful. I heard a story this week of a young mom in Winnipeg, no one knows who she is, who was, has been trying very diligently to model to her three-year-old son uh, a parenting model um, that doesn't involve shaming or saying you're bad or you're a bad boy, which is a good thing, right? One day, her incontinent dog decided to relieve itself on the living room carpet. And without thinking, this very conscientious mom said to the dog, Oh, you're such a bad dog. She didn't yell, didn't raise her voice. Oh, you're a bad dog. And the next day, what does her three-year-old son say to the dog? Oh, you're such a bad dog, without thinking. The mom was horrified, mortified. She doesn't want to use the word bad in parenting or shaming or anything like that. But the little boy, without thinking, was just monkey see, monkey do, right? So a lot of our learning style is monkey see, monkey do. We, we learn without thinking, without processing. Especially as young children, we automatically pick up family patterns. Whether they're healthy or not, we just tend to pick up those things. And we wonder why, decades later, our partner's saying, oh, you're just like your dad, or you're just like your mom. Well, that's, that's how we learned it. And whether we want to keep that attitude or whether we change it, that's between us and God. But there's something about that automatic learning, monkey see, monkey do, that as we get older, our learning our, has to be more intentional. We realize, okay, what do I need? What's healthy here and what's unhealthy? By the way, before I continue talking, I'm going to get Corey and Richard to collect those green forms now that you've diligently filled them all out. And some of you are panicking, going, okay. Now, if you're really strapped, don't worry. You can give it to me at the end of the service. But as you're gathering Okay, let's continue. 
So, um, we see monkey see, monkey do. The early Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the teaching, again, was not like our classic Western model of delivering lectures and backing up the dump truck and unloading information on people. It was uh, more like the biblical Hebraic model of teaching and instruction. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Where do we hear that before? Who said that? I heard that. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus quotes it in the New Testament, right? In the Gospels. That's where he got it. How about that? These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. We are to model to each other, especially if we have the responsibility of raising children, we're supposed to live a lifestyle that obeys God and serves God. A lifestyle. Not just sitting down and pouring information into people's heads. Because following God is more about transformation than information. I know a lot of folks who can probably are really good at Bible trivia, not so great at living out the gospel. Because they have a lot of facts, they have a lot of knowledge, but it hasn't filtered down and integrated into their lives. So what the Bible is telling us, that passing on our knowledge about Jesus, is it's life on life. That's how we learn best. Last week I had a medical appointment at Health Sciences Center. It's all good. It's all good, by the way. I'll have to talk about something else at lunch. Anyway, um, while I was going in there, because it's the teaching hospital, the first medical professional I saw was um, a medical student. And I can kind of tell he was, because he was a little bit nervous, but he did a fine job of interviewing and taking my history. And then he would go out and talk to the specialist, and they would come in, they would confer, and they'd come in. And that's good, because I find that it's, I think learning is good, and there wasn't an operation on scalpel involved, so I'm fine to talk to anybody, really. Uh, when we get the scalpel out, to be a little more apprehensive, make sure there's good supervision. But that is an excellent model of learning because you're learning by doing, and you've got someone to coach you and mentor you, and that's the best kind of learning, I think. It's apprenticing, the apprenticing model. We learn by doing, and that's what the early church did. They learned by doing. They learned by the example of other Christians. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this rather bold statement, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, what are your, what are your first impressions when you read this verse? Follow my example as you follow the example of Christ. Yeah, follow himself. I thought that too, Rose. I thought, who is this guy to say this? That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Yes. Right, 
and, and that's true. And as long as I'm following Christ, you follow my example, right? And that, that's a, something important to keep in check. But you can see how it would be easy to abuse this, right? If someone goes off the track. But on the other hand, the best way to learn is, well, monkey see, monkey do. Except you don't want to check your brains at the door. You want to discern, is this person on track with Jesus? Are they really consistent with um, the way they live their lives? Is this someone I want to truly want to be like? Or, as Rose said, are they just full of themselves, right? Do you have anybody in your life who has influenced you the most in following Jesus? Who has been a positive influence in your life in following Jesus? Just a couple of people answer that question. Father, okay. Wife, great. Anybody else? Any other categories? A youth pastor. Great. Youth pastors are underrated and usually underpaid. No one's bitter about that here. But you get paid in different ways. You get paid in different ways. All right, since you asked, I'll tell you a story. When we were, when I was first a youth pastor, yeah, I was underpaid. Someone told me I'd be getting this, and I ended up getting that. And I was kind of, eh, had to work through that. But, man, we are rich in relationships. And now, we see some of those high school students that I was a youth pastor to a few decades down the road, and wow, what a payoff to see what God is doing in their lives. So, it makes me feel rich. My banker won't give me any collateral on that, but that's okay. He's not really keeping score in life. Okay, so we, we've heard about uh, a spouse and a parent, a uh, youth pastor, anybody else? What other kinds of people influence us that, so that we follow Jesus? Anybody else? Kids. Kids. Exactly. Oh, Jim. Amen. You know, oh. when, when we see our kids imitating us, that can be kind of a scary moment. Right? And they challenge us. And we see God working in our children's lives and say, wow, where did you learn that? Maybe your mother, but not your father. But, you know, but in, in, in a positive way. And I think, Wow, where did that come from? And I get regularly challenged and inspired by my children too. And I learn to follow Jesus through them. Anybody else? Any other categories? Family members? Friends. Friends. Yeah. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs says, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Right? And I've told you before, I don't have biological brothers, but I have spiritual brothers. And um, it's funny, you know George Hill, the guy's in charge of Living Bible Explorers here in Winnipeg? Once a month, someone says, are you related to George? He says, no. But we're brothers. Spiritual brothers, right? But I'm not related. We don't have the same biological DNA. But we're related. We're brothers. So all these people influence us. And when you think about following Jesus... Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. As we're following Jesus, we cannot help 
but positively influence other people. So the challenge is, are we going to lead people up or lead them down? Are we going to be a positive, healthy example or are we not going to be a positive, healthy example? You cannot not influence people. Understand what I'm saying? You cannot not be an influence on people. The bottom line for us is what kind of a what kind of an influence are we going to be? So who have you followed and who is following you? Now, I don't know if we dare to ask this question in public or try answering it, but who who is following you this, these days? Who are we influencing to follow Jesus? Don't go all shy on me now. Yeah, children, right? Yeah. Co-workers? Great, co-workers, yeah. And that's always a sensitive issue, but it's, man, if you can live a life of integrity and love on the job, that just, that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. So we think about the people that we influence. As we follow Jesus, they follow Jesus too. Paul the Apostle said this, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. And he realized that following Jesus is more caught than taught. You can sit people down and have them fill out lines in a book or read a book or have an academic course they're not necessarily followers of Jesus. They may learn important information, but the way you influence people is life on life. We've got some special friends here this morning that I wasn't going to point out, but they're in my sermon note, that my next illustration today, we've got some friends who are new friends who are living in our basement for the next few weeks. And uh, they're from a Mennonite Brethren missions team that's uh, just kind of hanging out here for a few weeks before they go off to Thailand, right? Do you guys mind standing up for a minute? If you're with the MB Mission team? Hi, glad you're here. You can, uh, do you know, okay, I wasn't going to do this either. Sorry, we don't <laughs> usually do this. Just tell us your first name and where you're from, really loud, starting at that side. Now, not all of us 
are able to just stop work and stop our family responsibilities and go on a canoe trip to the White Shell and spend nine months living in community. Though that's a good way to start learning about Jesus. Most of us have to do life here, but it's really helpful when we take time out to learn from each other and, and do stuff like house churches or do smaller relationships or just one-on-one -on -one relationships. That's how we learn how to follow Jesus by watching each other and praying for each other and walking with each other through difficult times. The Apostle Paul realized that um, it was all about following examples. He realized that following Jesus is more caught than taught. And I am going to predict to my Mennonite friends back there from across Canada, you guys are at the end of your time, you're going to know a lot more about following Jesus than you do today. And the bulk of your learning will be from watching each other and learning from each other in the day-to-day -day stuff. How you treat each other in your relationships, you know, things like that, like who takes the longest in the bathroom, or I don't know, however you sort of, especially through conflict, you will build community through conflict. Oh dear. But that's true. That's true with any of us, right? So it'll be exciting to see where you're at in a year. You know, send us a postcard and let us know how you're doing. So Paul understood that following Jesus is more caught than taught. In fact, we get a kind of a final report card on one of um, Paul's church planting adventures as he's saying goodbye to some friends in the church at Ephesus. Let me explain. Ephesus is a major, a major city in uh, the province of Asia. It's modern-day Turkey now. And Paul went there to, to start a church. Man, they had all kinds of adventures and challenges. Wherever Paul went, he seemed to cause either a riot or a revival or both. And that was certainly happened in the church at Ephesus. But as he's passing by Ephesus, he's on his way to Jerusalem, he has another agenda, he stops to say, to meet with the elders, and give a final farewell. And he says, guys, I likely won't ever see you again. And these are some of his parting words to him. When they, these Ephesian elders, arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility, with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. So Paul is saying to these friends that he will never see again. I don't know if you've been to any, this is beyond a retirement ceremony. This is like a final farewell. From the first day I arrived at Ephesus, you know, you know how I lived. He didn't say, remember all the words I said? He says, you know how I lived. And you know how I responded in the face of opposition. That's when you really understand what's inside someone. We don't know what's inside someone until they get bumped. Then that's when you find out what they're full of. Right? You find out what someone is full of when they get Bumped. What's the first thing to spill out?
Paul was more than bumped by the opposition that he encountered in the city of Ephesus. He was really under a lot of pressure. And he responded in a godly, honest, forthright way. And God really moved. So these folks would remember, yeah, Paul's example. Not just his words. His words were important. In fact, you know, we have the book of Ephesians. It's kind of a payoff for his time in Ephesus. But it was his actions and his lifestyle that spoke the loudest. You know, Paul says again, I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I declare to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. As we follow Jesus and people follow us, we cannot hesitate to give people the whole gospel, the whole enchilada, not just the bits and pieces that we are that we like the best. But there are some times in our relationships where we will have to have what we call come to Jesus moments. I have some feedback for you. I need to talk to you about this. We need to resolve this issue. Or I'm wondering if you need to change this behavior or what are you thinking? What what that that kind of confrontational, loving confrontational correction that we can provide to each other. The book of Proverbs says, just like iron sharpens iron, friends ought to sharpen each other. Not to make us all brittle and pointy and hard to get along with, but to make us more effective. How many people here have ever sharpened wood with a dull axe? What a waste of time and energy, right? It's so frustrating. And you see the axe literally bounce off the piece of wood that you're trying to split, and you're thinking, wow, what seems to be the problem here? So in a spiritual friendship, we confront each other and lovingly correct each other, and we build each other up. We don't tear each other down. So Paul, I thought it was very telling that he says, I didn't hesitate to give you the whole enchilada, everything you needed to know about following Jesus. And he says, I've taught you publicly. I've taught you in big church and big gatherings, and I've taught you house to house. This is where we get the pattern and impetus for house churches. It's actually in the Bible. Because there's something about a smaller group of Christians meeting and praying together on a regular basis where we can do life and encourage each other and, and learn from each other and support each other as we follow Jesus together. So we can honestly say then, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And we can say that, Rose, without being full of ourselves. I understand what you're saying, you know. We can honestly say that without being full of ourselves. Knowing that we follow the example of Christ, like you said, right? That makes it possible. So Paul... The last thing he said is, this, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks, there's no ethnic favoritism, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. He said, that's what I've done. You know it. You guys have seen it. You've walked with me. This is how, I, this is how I've led my life. And in the passage, it goes on and said, there were a lot of tears and warm goodbyes, and off he went to Jerusalem. 
Because he was going, he didn't exactly know what was going to happen next. But he wanted to stop and affirm to his friends, hey, you guys carry the ball now. I'm handing over responsibility of the leadership of this church to you. So follow me, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Bottom line, friends, is that following Jesus is more caught than taught. So the challenge that I leave us with today, are we going to say be the same people in our everyday lives as we are on Sunday? As we follow the example of Jesus. I say this not to shame us, but to challenge us and say, is following Jesus so integrated into our lives that it just oozes out of this, that it just comes out. Personally, I try to be the same person in the foyer as I am in the pulpit, but my big challenge is being the same person at home as I am in the pulpit. That's a challenge for every preacher, for every pastor, for everybody who dares to stand up here, to be the same person. And the challenge for all of us is to be the same person Monday to Saturday as we are on Sunday, right? But as we follow the example of Jesus and as we depend on Holy Spirit to fill us with His love and grace and acceptance from God the Father, that begins to transform us, change us from the inside out, so that all of a sudden, I should say, not all of a sudden, gradually, because that's close to the truth, gradually, we start imitating Jesus. Our attitudes suddenly begin to change. And one of these days, it's like that person that used to irritate me doesn't irritate me so much. Our God gives me insight into someone that I begin to accept and I begin to see Jesus in that person instead of someone I dislike or someone I can't connect with. And all of a sudden, we realize God's been gradually changing my attitudes. And sometimes he will put us into an intense experience like our Mennonite friends are going to have over the nine months. It's going to be, it's going to be good. Okay? It's going to be good. Probably because God's with you. Okay, Maybe the only thing good about it. No, it's going to be really good. But, now listen, it's going to be a bit like my, our daughter Esther had um, one of those rock boxes that you put rocks in, and it turns and turns and turns, and it makes a really irritating noise. It was so irritating way to put it out in our garage because we couldn't go to sleep at night. These these rocks continually turning around, and, but you put a bunch of rough rocks into this contraption, and about a week later, after twenty four seven grinding, the rocks, the rough edges are. Smooth, it's beautiful. So in nine months, you're going to be perfect. But in this process, in immediate process, there's going to be a lot of grinding, right? And for the rest of us, maybe the grinding won't be as severe, but as Jumas, our children, or our spouses, or our friends are going to be helping God to rub the rough edges off of us. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 
Following Jesus is more caught than taught. That's going to be the process that God uses to make us more like Jesus. So don't back off from that. Don't hide from that. Don't say, there's no way you're ever going to get me into a house church. I'm not going to spill my guts in front of a bunch of people. Don't run away from that kind of opportunity. Don't run away from a spiritual friendship. Don't say, well, I'm not qualified, because none of us is qualified to follow Jesus. Really. But we can learn how to do it. And as we follow the example of Jesus, Jesus will expand our influence, and we will see lives changed, including our own. Let's pray. Father, we realize that the transformation of ourselves is impossible without you. But you can do it because you made us and you can do anything. We're excited to see how you're going to answer these prayers. And Father, I pray for us. I pray for us that you will help us to follow the example of Jesus and that we'll be following each other and following you. As we learn how to be the church, the church you intend us to be, May you fill us with your grace and truth so that this, this gathering and all its extended ministries will be sources of grace and truth in Winnipeg and around the world. We pray these things confidently in the name of Jesus. Amen.